The story of Round the Bend Steakhouse, that iconic steakhouse located right between Omaha and Lincoln, right off the interstate, it's something special. And TJ and Tiff Olson, the owners, you're going to learn all about them. They are unique, and I would call them originals. And in this episode, you're going to hear how their faith, their values really drive so much of what they do, how they met in eighth grade, and they knew then that they were meant for each other. And TJ knew then, too, that he was going to be the owner of Round the Bend Steakhouse, how they struggled to get that first loan that so many of us business owners can understand and relate to and how they're able to fight through that and secure that loan. And then, very interestingly, how they define wealth, something you might be interested in as well. There are so many great stories in this episode of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. Well, I'm telling you what, this is the first couple of Steakhouse, the first couple of the restaurant business. It is so great to have a husband and wife team here uh, to talk today about what has been an amazing success with Round and Steakhouse for many, many years. But yes, you sir. guys, here's how we start this. We always start with where you grew up, what influenced you. So you're both kind of around that East uh, or, you know, Lincoln area out in the country and Waverly and Eagle. Yep. So let's start with you, Tiff. Tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Eagle, Nebraska. Well, I'll back up just a little bit. I moved to Eagle when I was 12. So born and raised in the Denver area. Oh, that's right. So I came from city to Eagle, which is still a, a town that's bigger, but it was quite the culture shock. So in a good or bad way? Both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of like just the hustle and bustle of city life and being able to go here and there, do whatever you want. Movies at the drop of a dime. Like and just, it's just a down the street. Lot, yeah, like it was just a lot of like, oh, we're going to do this, do that. But I didn't have the freedom there that I did in Eagle as far as being able to just walk about, ride your bike, go to the lake. Um, I, I mean, I grew up with, in my school, it was like drive-by shooting Like we have drills. tornado drills here? Yeah. yeah so they have like, drive-by shooting they, drills. Yeah. That would be a, a positive, I think, than going to Eagle, right? Yes. <laughs> so if you need to know, you're supposed to just run in a zigzag and you try to go low, you oh, try to go high, man. and you do all this stuff. I learned that when I was in kindergarten. So it's been interesting now that our daughter, she's 11, but just watching her grow up in a small town of like, what are the things? Granted, there are the culture of our world now and like the pulse of it is a bit different and she's learning some of those things but it definitely wasn't what i came to eagle like they were looking at me like you're crazy what do you mean you drive bys and gangs and <laughs> like that kind of stuff i also coming from the city you weren't very friendly because you didn't know who you were interacting mm -hmm. with and so that was a lot of like a culture shock of just like wow people like wave at each other from their cars. <laughs> I have to imagine that was like one of the biggest changes. I hear that yeah. from people all the time. Oh, it's yeah. like, you know, folks just go up and they immediately engage you. And mm -hmm. that probably was something that, again, you weren't accustomed to, right? Yeah, it was almost a thing where it's like when people did do that in the cities, it typically was homeless that you were immediately on guard with them and being a little girl, like you just weren't. You, you were weren't, taught not to talk. Yeah, to them. like yeah. it was just like, and you kept your eyes straight. You didn't. Like, you don't try to engage with people. So that was a huge culture shock. 
And then schooling wise, going from a large elementary to Eagle was not large at all. Mm-hmm. And then integrating the next few years into Waverly, which did grow. And I felt a little more comfortable in that aspect. But it was like I said, it was good and like bad thing because there were things that I missed. Like? Um, just kind of like I was saying, like the kind of hustle bustle, like yeah. we can just run here, we can run there. Like, um, our family was really close once we moved out here. My ex stepdad, we had moved out here for his family, and so it was kind of isolating in that side of it. And then feeling like you didn't have places to really go off to. Um, yeah, run and up then, the mountains, like you had the yeah. mountains right there, and you run up and snow tubing and just mm-hmm. recreational yeah. mountains. Yeah, you got. Nothing here like yeah. that. Right, like you hook up behind a tractor yes. on a sled, and that's about as close as you can get. And sporting, like I grew up a Denver Broncos fan, still am. That Colorado Avalanche, like all of that stuff. It was like there are these big sports, and then I didn't really care about college <laughs> because that wasn't really a focus. So then it was like, okay, we have the fo- Husker football. I'm like, okay, and then volleyball, and it it just shifted. And when you're 12, you're kind of like, wow, this is. A lot to take in in a short period of time. Yeah. Well, so. you, you talk about football. This guy here to your left, yes, uh, football player, mm-hmm. ended up going on to college and playing a little bit of football. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, we, I have to imagine you're growing up out in the country, yep. uh, outside of Lincoln, between Lincoln and, and Waverly, a lot different than what Tiff just talked about. Much different. <laughs> yeah. Um, even our home life different. You know, she comes mm-hmm. from a broken home, uh, mom and dad. Um, had had you when you were young, or when so she, she was young, you were mom. obviously young. <laughs> you were a baby. Yes, my mom was 18 when she had me. My dad was 20, and they were married for a year and then split. Yep. So it, and I come from a complete home. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad's still married to this day, um, live in the same house we grew up in, just mm-hmm. east of Lincoln. Um, three siblings. I'm the youngest of four. Um, like, just completely different home life. Yeah. Uh, when she was here and we started dating, um, and I could finally drive, like... I just get to go. Mom and dad are like, yep, see you later. And her mom wants to know where you're going, who you're going to be with. Mm-hmm. She was the the first, you know, yeah. she's the oldest. And my parents are, I'm the fourth kid, like, just <laughs> be home later. Let us know where you're going to land. <laughs> I'm telling you, TJ, we have three, and it is so different with our third than, than our first two. It's just yeah. like, whatever, run out in the street. Yep. That's fine, you know. Yep. And mom, mom and dad, you know, with four kids, you know, they struggled. Dad always worked. Mom worked. They, we, we had a great life. But after mom and dad bought Round the Bend back in 1995, the other kids, my, my siblings, were all moved out. And then the business starts to do a little better, and they start to get some money, and there's nobody to spend that on but TJ. <laughs> so TJ's going into ninth grade with all the Tommy Hilfiger stuff and, you know, decent car, and mom and dad pay for my gas, and my siblings are like, we hate you so much. <laughs> I was just going to say, no way are they going to love this. I mean, they're no. like, you little spoiled brat, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah, so... But but you had this country spread um, that you're out there. What, what was a what was a summer day? I love to ask this question. What was a summer day like? Because that's when you get all the freedom, right? And all the time when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. Yep. So what was a day spent doing in July? You know, we'll 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 jump we'll jump back to it. I'm sure in here and there. But mom and dad bought the restaurant when I was 11, and I've worked in it ever since. And it is a true family business. So our summers. They were spent at work. We all worked. Um, I've done everything in the restaurant from from washing dishes to now the owner and everything in between. But the summers were spent working. Uh, I remember there were a couple vacations. We always took family vacations in the summer. Dad would close the restaurant uh, and go camping up in South Dakota 
that was always a lot of fun. Uh, running around the the country, we had four wheelers and dirt track or uh, four wheelers and uh, go karts and stuff. So we'd run around on those. Um, just down the road from us, uh, folks that are familiar with Lincoln, there's a place called Sky Ranch Acres, mm-hmm. and it was a bunch of people that got together. If I remember the story right, they built houses on this huge chunk of land, and they put a runway in, and everybody built their houses and had airplane hangers underneath of them. And that kind of grew to be a, a bigger develop development, but the people that lived on the runway had planes. Well, all the kids from high school would be there, so I'd ride my bike down there, and we'd play football on the runway. <laughs> and then you'd be watching, oh, there's a plane coming in, run off the runway and run up, watch the plane land. This and is great. Wave as they'd go by. Like, just just love that. Going, going down in the in the creek or crick, depending upon which, yeah. you know, what, what do you call it? A pop crick? or soda. Yeah, yeah. pop or soda. It's a crick. We could, it's a crick. <laughs> it's a crick. <laughs> and it's soda. It's a crick in your neck. It's a creek. I don't know. We could be on that all day. Anyway, I digress. You know, go down and play in Stevens Creek and, you know, catching frogs in the pond next door and cooking up frog legs with the neighbor. Uh, we had some great neighbors, uh, the Abbots that lived across the street from us. Um, so Harrison, they're, they're still friends of ours to this day. They've got a ranch out in Hyannis. I spent a month out there in the summer one year when I was like 14. One of the best experiences of my life being out there fixing fence and windmills and riding horses and it was, it was great. So, mm, I yeah, that. idyllic. By the way, how good were you at getting off the runway in time when a plane's coming in? Real there? good. Real good. There was a <laughs> few times. Learned. I mean, the parents would be out there and they'd be watching, but there was a few times they'd come and buzz over our head. And that's that's your warning. Get your it's off the runway. So I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. That that right there is worth a book right there growing up that, <laughs> those summers. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it, it, mm. one of the things that stands out to me is, is I just – uh, got done talking to John Higgins, um, who similarly uh, worked and worked and worked all the way as a kid and and just always had a job, always mm-hmm. was doing something. That work ethic that was instilled you know, in you to have to work at the at the restaurant, A, didn't sound like you resented it. No. And B, was that just something, I mean, did you ever have to be pulled into work or was it like, look, I'm, I want to go? I think I probably had to be pulled just as a kid, like you want to do other things. Right. Um, as Tiff and I started dating, we started dating back in eighth grade, and she, you know, you want to go out on the weekends with your boyfriend. Well, the weekends in a restaurant, you're always working. I never felt like I was pulled into work. I enjoyed it. Uh, I knew I had this this drive and this want to work while I'm young, build something bigger than my parents had, and be able to enjoy life when I'm younger. My dad always had a job. He was a volunteer fireman on Southeast Fire for 35 or 40 years. He was a chief. Uh, he ran a bingo hall for him. He had his own construction company. It was always working. And mom was the computer technology. I call her a computer nerd for Waverly School District. All self-taught. Never went to college a day in her life. Drove the school bus for the school district. Made the routes. Like She was a she was kind of a pillar in the school. Like You had a computer problem, you go to Vicky, And... They were just always working, mm-hmm. always, and it just rubbed off on me. My my brother was always working. My sister went to college. She was a teacher. Um, my other sister worked in the restaurant. Was we always had jobs. We were mm-hmm. always helping and always working. It was just a part of life. Like yeah. we knew you had to work, and that stays with you, I imagine, today. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just ingrained. You yeah, know, Tiff's got to pull me back sometimes and be like, "Hey, remember your wife and daughter that are at home." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why don't you come see us? Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's what a good partner does. And yes. boy, I can't wait to really explore that yeah. um, as we get into the show about the partnership that you both have and how that works. Mm-hmm. 
But before I do, we got to get to the big part here. You guys meet in high school, right? Junior, junior high, junior, high. junior high. middle right. school, whatever yeah. you want to call it. So yeah. who approached who? How, how do we know? How'd this go down? Oh, you want to take this one? <laughs> I love this one. This so, is one of your favorites. I can I don't have a great memory, and my wife can attest to that. <laughs> but I can remember exactly the day that Tiff approached me to ask me out. And in our day, I feel old when I say that. <laughs> in our day... When you asked somebody out, that meant you wanted to be boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah, no, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out on a date and just get to know you a little. But I'm going to go date this guy, and I'm going to. It was. I want. Will you go out with me? Meant will you be with me? Yeah. So sitting in the back of Mr. Ropedy's science class, about four rows back, and she's sitting <laughs> on my back left, one desk back. And there's a short pause in the class, and everybody kind of starts talking, and she comes up. She's wearing a white Adidas shirt with a yellow Adidas emblem in the middle of it. This is great. Hair up and back in a tight ponytail with a white ribbon, dark blue jeans, and her Doc Martens. Looking fine. <laughs> I'm so far out of my league. Like I, I was the, the, the chubby kid that was still growing into his body and figuring out what if he could play football or not. And like <laughs> She comes up and she just asked. And I remember being like internally... Like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, my palms got sweaty, and that's not me. And I was like, I looked at her, and I was like, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and then looked back, and I'm like, why did I just say that? You say yes, she's smoking hot. What are you doing, dummy? And I was like, Yeah, what? she was just like, excuse yeah. me? You're like, no, I, uh, you won't get back to me. It yeah, was, a, it was, was a 30 second offer, or no? Very much like, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. But uh, very quickly after that class, and that's where things get cloudy for me, but uh, yes, absolutely want to be your boyfriend. This is awesome. And, um, you know, just getting to know her over the time. But yeah, eighth grade is when we started to date. Man alive. Uh, on again, off again, all the way through high school. Yeah. So what did you see in this big log here? What did, what did you see? <laughs> We've had that conversation kind of recently. We just yeah. celebrated our wedding anniversary this week. So yeah. just 18 years yeah, yeah, reminiscing back over things. It's going to sound, I don't know if it's going to sound strange or what, but even, so I've always had deep faith. Like I grew mm -hmm. up with it and there was just something about him. I don't, it was so he conducted himself, how he, treated people just how he spoke and carried himself that I was like God like just like gave me I don't want to say a vision but it's like I could just see there mm -hmm. was something different about him and I was like I don't know what it is but it's intriguing and I want to get to know him more like um some of it was his stature yeah <laughs> like yeah. I was just Big like guy, yeah, yeah I was like this is I come from two daddy issues. I had a stepdad who didn't want me and a dad who had me very young and didn't know what to do with me. So I, we've had a lot of conversations of that, of I was looking for a complete opposite of what I had been introduced to, but I was like, he, there's something about him that he's just manly. And it was this like, Pull. In eighth grade, I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I know right? that's a compliment, right? There. My voice is like in eighth grade, going, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. screeching. So yeah, so there was just a pull there. Um, I didn't really know anything about the restaurant yeah. side of his life. I just knew him inside of school, and like I said, it was just the way he conducted himself, how he spoke to the other teachers around, how he treated people, or mm -hmm. it was just like you got to remember, mom. Like I said, mom was worked in the school, right? There were many a times I 
had my own mother come in my class and sit behind me because the teacher they didn't go to the principal. They went to Vicky. Yeah. You were hey, one of those kids. TJ, uh, teachers have a little trouble paying attention. And I walk into class, <laughs> eighth grade, walk into class, and there's mom sitting right behind my desk. I go, oh, man. <laughs> and I guarantee you look back at that today and go, thank you, mom, don't you? Yes. And to bunny trail a little bit, if you don't mind, um, yeah. I tell this story. And my, my mom was a special kind of disciplinarian. She never hit me. My sister, Kim, wouldn't let her, especially when I was a baby. He's too cute to smack. No, I wasn't, and I needed it. But anyway, I got in trouble in junior high and went down to the my mom's office, got told I had to uh, had detention after school. And she's like, all right, fine. I will not pick you up. You have to walk home from school. We live nine miles from school, down 148th Street, which is the busiest intersection between O Street and Cornhusker Highway. Yeah. She said, you'll walk home, and you'll walk the whole way. Don't get a ride from friends, and I might come pick you up if I get off work and get home, the bus route done. And if you're further than I think you should be because you maybe got a ride from somebody, I will take your butt back to the school, and you'll start again. And I did that. I walked, and I had friends stop. Hey, TJ, you need a ride? No parents taking their kids. So you need a ride? No, my mom said I can't have one. I walked all the way to Prairie Home one time, and she picked me up there. And then the next time, I made it all the way from Waverly to Holdridge. And she picked me up there. I tell you what, that you straighten up pretty quick. <laughs> Real quick, if yeah. If you know your mom is going to make you walk home from school nine miles, and she'll take your butt back to the school. <laughs> or sit in your class. Like, special kind of disciplinarian. So, it, it, it was an interesting, and I learned quick. So, when I say, I, she says, you know, I spoke to teachers differently. Because there were consequences if I didn't. <laughs> I did not know that. Without a doubt. <laughs> so when the, the other students with you, it was yeah. just like, wow, yeah. like that's Mom's, different. Mom is special. <laughs> well, and that's, that is a great story. And again, bless her heart for taking that kind of interest <laughs> in her son. You know, one of the things that you guys kind of had a storybook high school too, or storybook, I should say high school. I mean, you both end up homecoming king, homecoming queen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you are the football star. You are a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of that idyllic high school. And yeah. Tiff, I think the interesting thing to me is knowing the, the challenges, right, that you had growing up. Mm-hmm. How'd you work through that? I know TJ probably played a part in that, but but yes. what, what gave you strength to obviously stand out to your classmates and achieve and excel? Mm-hmm. Yes. So... I'll back it up to we we broke up our freshman year. <laughs> we were, had been broke up, and that was my like wild child year. Um, my ex stepdad he was a pastor, so growing up as a pastor's kid, I did the typical stereotype of that. And throughout that year, I made horrible decisions, a lot of drinking, um, dabbling in like a little bit of drugs. Um, just talking to any boy that was like, oh, hey, like, you're kind of cute. I was like, oh, thanks. Like, <laughs> the just, daddy issues. The daddy, in, yeah. yeah, I was like, sure. just so many, like, it was a, a great year because I was a cheerleader all four years. It was a great year on that side. Um, and out in Colorado, like, I wouldn't have gone out for things like that because, first of all, you're just white noise in a class of 2,000 people. Mm-hmm. And... It just wasn't an option um, financially in that area. But then Nebraska is a little more affordable in those things. But I ended up, we ended up started talking again. And 
TJ does not remember this conversation, <laughs> but it's a pivotal moment in my life where he was like, basically all that crap you've got going on, those people you're hanging out with, like they're not bad, good, indifferent, but he was like, I have a trajectory for my life. I have plans for football. I want to go hopefully be pro, but if that doesn't work out, like I have this drive of wanting to take this business that my parents have franchise it someday. Like he was like, what you're doing is going to take me off course. And I'm not willing to do that. And it was kind of, like I said, like this vision, like the way that he talked, like, I was just like, okay, I need to like get back on the right path here. And how old were you guys then? Were you sophomores? So super young. And I will say like, as being the oldest, there is a maturity as well as being female of just where you're at. But mm-hmm. him being the baby of four and his brother being so much older and he did have older parents. Like my mom was the same age as his brother. So there was just, I think maturity of how he spoke because right. he had three older siblings plus older parents that just drew me into that. And so that ended up putting us on a path for high school that I think that I would have definitely been a train wreck the rest of our (laughs) high school career had I not had him just speaking that way. And then as we started through high school, um, I got more into my faith Mm -hmm. and then introduced him there. I was kind of like, okay, if this is going to be like really serious, like you need to know like this part of me and I would really hope that you would want that for your life as well. And yep. And, and that's, and that's, you know, she's talking about what she sees in my life and I had a trajectory and you're, what you're doing now is going to derail that. So I don't want to be a part of that. I saw something in her and her family, her dad, her ex stepfather is a pastor and her, her mom, uh, just respect her so much. She was such a leader inside their home and they had something and I didn't know what it was. We talk about that now. Mm-hmm. Like people, People come and talk to us, and every now and then you'll hear, there's just something different about you guys. What's different? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus is mm-hmm. what's different. And she had that, and I didn't know that what that was. I was baptized as an infant, Lutheran, went to church a little bit, and then the church pissed Dad off, and we never went again. It was in our family. It was in our, you know, we'd pray at Christmas. We'd still go to church at Christmas with Grandma, those oh, kind yeah. of things, but mm-hmm. it was never a part of our daily life. And we started having those conversations. Your mom made the absolute worst, driest burritos in the world and had me over. We had good conversation, and that's when my walk with Christ started. Um, I was 15 years old in my parents' basement and gave my life to Christ, and I was just, I just wanted that. So together we were changing each other's lives mm-hmm. without really knowing how much we were changing each other's lives. I don't remember that conversation she talks about when yeah. I told her, what you're doing isn't my jam, and you better change or I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And. I, it's just, we, we were changing each other's lives so much and mm. so open to that and come from so, you know, opposites attract. We're so different we in our backgrounds. So, so different. So to, to be where looking back now at all those mm-hmm. stories and stuff, just that oil and oil and water that mixed and came together. And even now to this day, yeah, we yeah. say it, she's the woe to my go. Yeah. And I want to, like I said earlier, <laughs> we're going to get there. I promise. Cause this is because partnerships in business and so many folks who watch this, right are business leaders, business owners, partnerships are tricky. And so this is why I want to explore it for sure. 
because you guys have made it work and you made it thrive. But here's where I want to get back to. You mentioned he had said to you at this tender age, you know, he mm-hmm. figures out, hey, look, I want to run this business. I might want to franchise. I mean, he's, you're moving. Yep. Your mind is going. At that, what was it that set you off to say, this is what I want to do at such a young age to know what your future looked like? I I think I just have to, to look back at just being in it. You know, dad bought it when I was 11. So, so we're talking 15 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And over that course of time, uh, the, the four years, five years, whatever it may have been, we were in it. Yeah. Like, there's stories of the old place. You know the old place. Yeah. Um, it was built on two by ten joists, sat on dirt floor with water lines running through it. Every winter they would freeze. You'd go in in the morning and turn the water on and just wait for the pss- oh there it is. Turn the water off and we had strategic holes cut in the floor so we could crawl in there and get them fixed. That we would just put back down and screw in because you knew you'd have to get back in there. And just seeing my dad doing those things and kind of making something out of absolutely nothing. Mm. I, I loved that part of it, and I loved I, I kind of came into my own through that time of doing everything. We got so busy where you remember the old place, the lot across the street, Dad right. bought that for parking because people were parking on the highway and in the in the town <laughs> and people were getting pissed and like standing there and going out and calling names. We didn't have buzzers back in that day, but yelling names across the street and handing them the menus at the door and being like, your table's that one that's open back there. Good luck getting there. You know, <laughs> being, I don't think we can get in trouble, statue of limitations on this one, but being 15, 16, 17 years old and people wanting beer and we can't get it. I can't get it for them. So it's, well, the cooler's right in front of me, reach in there and get what you want and then put the right money on the counter and I'll make sure it gets in the cash register. <laughs> like just small town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Little, little town stuff. But I think it was just seeing, you know, dad always working being in there and actually being a part of that business. Right. Dad bought Round the Bend unbeknownst to mom, unbeknownst to the family. Came home and said, hey, we own a bar in South Bend, Nebraska. He didn't win in a poker game or anything. No, no. I don't think so anyway. <laughs> but bought, bought it and it was just all hands on deck. And mm-hmm. I just, I think I found my groove. Like, you, you know when you start to do yeah. something, you know this is what I'm meant to do. I loved it. I love the people. I love BSing with them. The small town. You know, we still have people from the old place. Larry Murray. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that sat at the bar then sits at my bar now. And we have same conversations we had 25 years ago about stuff. Like, I, I just love it. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do is go out and sit. The We got half a dozen or more guys that sit at the bar and have their beers in the afternoon. I love that. Mm-hmm. Going out and BSing with them and shooting it back and forth at each other is just so much fun. So yeah. I just found my groove. I think I saw that and saw dad building this thing and it was catching on and it was working. And dad had a, dad was a serial entrepreneur, I think you'd call him. Mm-hmm. Um, he just did. And I, that's that's where I get it from. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. We'll figure it out on the, along the way. <laughs> I don't have a plan. We're just going to do it. That's, that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do, right? You they just to, jump in. Otherwise, and, you get in your own head. Right. Mm-hmm. And you right. find a way to not do it. You can always justify why not to do it but or why mm-hmm. to not go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Well, why not? Just give it a shot. Well, here it is. Mm-hmm. It's 2012, and you're ready to buy it now. Yeah. Um, or your dad is ready to sell, or, or vice versa, or maybe all of it together, right? Kind of everything together, I'd mm-hmm. say. I can't imagine a bank to a young guy is just <laughs> ready to run out there and say, hey, we're going to throw all this money at you. <laughs> what was it like, first off, to just make that transaction happen? And then number two, I have to. I, let's just start with that. What was that like to make that transaction happen, uh, make, to make it go? So... It was about a two-year process, mm-hmm. two-and-a-half-year process um, with – we brought on Jacob Maloshik. Yeah. Uh, you know Jacob. Brilliant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, he is 
he is one of the three reasons Round the Bend is the way it is now. He'll deny that, but he is one of the three reasons. I believe it, yeah. Um, but we met with him. Business was bad, 2008-ish. Mm-hmm. Recession. Ah. Everything's bad. We're a destination. Nobody's driving a long ways because gas is $400 a gallon. They're not driving out to see us. So we closed down to just Thursday nights, Fridays, and Saturdays. That was it. Hemorrhaging money in places wasn't working. Brought on Jacob and said, Jacob, do you think this could work? And he sat down with my dad and I. Um, Dad's the only owner. He's sole owner. I'm just working for dad. And Jacob said, there's money to be made here. We need to make some changes, some tweaks. But uh, everything's above board. Every penny in, we know where it's coming from. And every penny out, we know where mm-hmm. it's going. Because dad was of the of the era, the less Uncle Sam knows about, the better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Cash is king. Right. Except it doesn't really work that way. Mm. Um and the business was struggling. It wasn't looking good. Especially on paper. Yeah. My wife my wife and I had sat and talked. Um, and I'm like, I really want this. You know this. From eighth grade, you've known mm-hmm. I want this. And even though it's struggling and it doesn't make sense, I feel like God's calling me to buy this from mom and dad. Let mom and dad retire. They've worked their entire life to provide for me and my siblings. I really want to do this. And only because of God, she said, yeah, sounds good. Let's do that, honey. And... We started with Jacob. He said everything above board. We took the next couple of years to make it look really good on paper. Opened up more days of the week. That was one of my first things. Hey, we're going to open back up and I'll work them. I'll work. My sister was there. She was working. Um, She was trying to go to school to be a nurse Mm -hmm. to kind of get out of the restaurant industry. Uh, She saw the writing on the wall. Restaurants aren't succeeding right now. I need to do what's best for my family. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to dive into the restaurant. (laughs) Here we go. Dad had tried to sell it before, so he had a dollar amount that he was looking for. Um, And over the next two years... We made it look mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. on paper, um, accounted for all the dollars in, and it made money. Uh, in the first six months Jacob worked with us, he paid off about $30,000 in credit card debt that we had racked up paying our taxes. That's how bad it was. We were mm. paying our taxes on credit cards mm. because there was no money. You know, Dad had some cool guns and some cool stuff, but because it was cash, it got spent. You know, it needed to be reinvested in the business and those right. kind of things. And um, we just listened to Jacob. And he gave us the great direction. And Jacob's always been, here's my guidance. It's your business, though. Mm-hmm. So we took his his guidance, and, and it worked out great. So to your point, no bank is going to <laughs> give us the money, right? <laughs> right. There is a phenomenal story in that. <laughs> and we, we got to meet uh, Chris Greenfield, mm-hmm. a phenomenal individual, a uh, man of God, and in the bank. And Jacob introduced us, and he said, here, here it is. Here's all the black and white, Chris. And Chris said, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's figure this out. And he had just moved to a smaller bank Mm -hmm. and went in. And I will cliff notes this as much as I can because it is a pretty long story. Um, We got to the point where it's ready to buy. $1.2 million Mm. at 25? How old were we? No, we we were 28. 28. Yeah. $1.2 million is what I needed. And I had nothing to leverage against it. Nothing. Like, nothing. (laughs) No money in my bank account. No nothing. (laughs) But uh, Chris said, I'm on board. I want, I want this for you guys. I see it. I see your calling. Let's do this. So we brought in Chris and then the president of the bank, I believe at the time, some bigger higher-ups in the bank. Mm-hmm. And they came in on a day we were closed, on a Sunday, I believe it was. And they came in. I met him at the door. And I said, hey, guys, I'm going to show you a start to finish. This is one of Jacob's ideas. Mm-hmm. He said, I wanna sh- I'm going to show you everything we do at Round the Bend that makes Round the Bend different. Brought him in. How we seat you. How we bring your, your your drink to you. 
what we do, um, took them back in the kitchen, showed them how we cut steaks. Everything's hand cut in house. Uh, 40 days wet age. We use the highest quality beef. This is how we prepare it. This is, this is what makes us different. And showed them all that stuff and probably took two hours just to show them the business. And then we sit down in the dining room after all that and I poured my heart and soul out to them and they said, that's all really nice. And I'm paraphrasing here. That's all really nice. And that's neat. But, uh, this probably isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you're in the middle of nowhere. We're in 2012. We're still recovering. Hotels and restaurants are the two worst businesses to get into. Why would you want to do this? Just kind of, kind of breaking me down. Mm-hmm. And Chris is sitting there, and I'm just like, no, it, it's going to work. And they said, TJ, you need your – and I don't remember exactly what it's called. I'll call it a business valuation. These numbers have to come back, and they have to come back in this like window. An appraisal. Mm-hmm. And if they don't come back in this window – we're out. But if they do, we can do it. And it was pretty lofty numbers. And Chris even had told me at one point, like, they're, they're covering their butt. We're, you're not going to be able to hit these numbers. And I, I looked at him at the end of that, and I said, you know what, guys? You're going to look at me like I got three heads, and that's fine. But God's got a plan here. I know I'm supposed to be here. This is not just for me to make money. This is to bless single moms that want to work. This is to bless other families, a place for people to be gathered around their table and enjoy some time over a meal. It's going to work. And they're like, oh, that's a cool story, but we'll see you later. And shook my hand. Like I said, long story, and (laughs) that's broke down as tight as I can. Uh, And that was a a Sunday. That Friday following, the valuation came back in. And the valuation, because of God and God only, came back three times their highest number that they had put down. Mm. They had no, they couldn't say no. It made all the sense on paper. For all the work we did over the last two years and all the labor hours Jacob and his team put into it to make it look good, and show that this business is profitable and they're, they're, this is a good decision. And Chris called us on the phone and he's like, guys, let's do it. And he <laughs> called a meeting that week, brought him in. He had paperwork drawn up. And I'd say in about a month we closed. Yep. Boom, it's ours. That is a phenomenal. I mean, I sat here. I did not want to interrupt you one time <laughs> because I'm telling you, I think any business owner, and anyone in life that, you know, this is about perseverance. This is about a belief mm-hmm. in what you have. And mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, even if you, if the valuation didn't come in, I, and as a banker, I would have been sitting there going, how do we not? This yeah. guy and, and yeah. this couple, um, they believe so much in what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. So congratulations on that, because that is truly about perseverance and a belief in yourself. So when you get to this point, tell me what you're thinking, how you're feeling. I mean, you're all in 100%. Any mm-hmm. doubts on your mind? I don't think so. I'm trying to think if there are doubts in there. I don't think there were. I think because we were on the same page and it was like our prayer life in that season and just seeking God and just being like, <laughs> as TJ says, like, slam the door shut. Or busted open because we're some of your dumb kids. I'm, I'm God's dumb kid. <laughs> like, I either like, have to have it slammed in my face <laughs> or kick it wide open to where I can't miss it. Yeah. And that you was, the, certainly that did was that. the three time valuation for me. Yeah. That's what that was. When that came back and the bank could not say no. Yeah. When it came back and it met all their requirements that they laid out, you know, they couldn't say no. Yeah. And that was yeah. me hearing God say, all right, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. It's yeah. time. So, and you had had. He had had to come to Jesus in the dining room one night when things were just really bad and struggling prior to Jacob coming in. Yeah, it was it was and late 2008 or early 2009. He mm-hmm. was like just sitting in the dining room like 
having that exact prayer, like either slam these doors open this weekend or shut it and I'll go mow lawns. Like I'm not going to pursue this forward for the sake of the restaurant, but also we had found out we were pregnant and he was just like, she was pregnant. I wasn't, pregnant. Well, <laughs> we right. were pregnant. You were pregnant. <laughs> but just like, I'm not going to like do this to my family yeah. kind of show up. Like I, I need to see you guys. I had your, I, Oh yeah. I had a, I had you, I had to take care of you and provide for you. And, um, her mom is actually the one that was like, Hey TJ, have you like turned that business over to God? Have you really sat down and said, and that's when I went over and sat in the dining room. It was still dad's at that time, but I was just like, I don't want this for me. I want this for you, God. Let's glorify your name somehow. Mm-hmm. And it, it has, you know, sitting here with you right now, talking about God on a podcast that someone will hear his name will be glorified through round the bend. Mm-hmm. Like he's got, mm-hmm. he's got that plan all the way through. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that was for me, that was part of the motivation. I have to, and I don't have to prove to Tiff, but no. she's got my back. She was like, yes, let's do this. Yeah. And I think that that does stem back to back in eighth grade where it was like, I know your drive, your dream, the desire that's here. And we've kind of always been as a couple, like we want to be bigger than ourselves, whatever that looks like. And so then when this came on a restaurant side, my I guess business brain was more like, how do we like better people's lives? How do we impact? How do we do something bigger than just steak and potatoes on a plate? Like anybody can do that. If you're looking for just a meal, you can run through fast food. There's lots like, of places yeah. that can put food in front <clears throat> yeah. of you. Yeah. Right. And so it was like when he finally had this moment was here and it was kind of all unfolding. It was like, well, I don't know how we can not do it. Yeah. And I didn't want, and we've had this conversation. I didn't, want him to drive by and see it thriving under someone else. Yeah. Dad was Mm -hmm. ready to sell and I didn't want to see somebody else drive by. And I say, I didn't want to drive by it in 10 years and see the owners driving a gold plated car. Like (laughs) missed the opportunity there. Didn't you dipstick? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you have an interesting quote that the TJ shared with me. You talk about, you want to be more than steak and potatoes. You want to create something. Mm -hmm. And obviously uh, so much of of what you are all about is driven by faith, your belief in God. But you have a you have a a saying that says you want to be an impactor, not an influencer. Absolutely. What does that mean? Um, I don't want to influence you to order this certain steak, have this drink. Like, great. Like, this is a flash and. But flash in the pan. You don't yeah, want to flash buy, buy what I'm wearing because yeah. of who I am. Look at yeah, me. Look at how, follow me because yeah. of who I am. Mm-hmm. It was like, I I don't want to influence you for like a one-time purchase. Or, I don't know. It feels very cheap to me. It's kind of like a, oh, great. Or I wasted my money because I listened to that person. Mm-hmm. I feel like where influencers have come nowadays. But I was like, let's like impact. What can we do that you're like whether I ever know them or they know who I am, like that event in my life changed who I was changed the course of Mm -hmm. how my life is now changed my thought process, whatever, like that there's this like lasting impact that I personally, it goes back to faith of like, God wants to do things for eternal purpose, not for like, Oh, great. Like you had a good moment. Right. But how do you apply that to, so to your, I, your culture? I have an there. example yeah. that mm-hmm. just happened here recently. I was reading through some of our reviews online. And, yeah. Uh, we're incredibly blessed. 99% of them are fantastic. They are. Um, yeah. But one just the other day I ran across, 
the impact over influence. Tiff put these conversation starter cards in our six-pack holders on every table in the restaurant, at the bar and everywhere. And their questions as simple as, if you were a superhero, which one would you be? I like it. Or <laughs> if you had the attention of the world for 30 seconds, what would you say and why? You know, so some deeper, some little fun ones. But I was just reading in uh, uh, review the other day, and it said, we went around the bend, it was a great meal, great service, but one thing that was amazing was we found these pack of questions on the table. We're not sure if they were put there by the owner or the last table that ate before us, but I actually had great conversation with my kids and genuine time with them. Yeah. That's yeah. that's an impact. Oh, without mm-hmm. a doubt. So it's it's those like and, and you'll see me too, I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> yep. Like yep. it's just those those little things that it changed that day. Mm-hmm. That kid maybe is going through something and it opens them up to say, mom, I'm really struggling here. We've had those times with our own daughter. Yeah. Um, so if it changes that a little bit, that's an impact over influence. Yeah. yeah. We don't want you to choose around the bend because TJ is funny on social media. We want you to choose because, man, we really feel value when we come out there and we feel like part of their family. Yeah. We can message them on Facebook and TJ's replying back and, hey, we'd love to serve you and build a family atmosphere mm-hmm. and impact them don't just influence them for a minute yeah and and clearly you guys have done that and uh there's something else that we when we talk about that you know creating something more than just a place where people can come and eat you know Mm -hmm. you guys do you provide a place where conversations happen right lives can be improved and Mm -hmm. bettered right but one of the things i want to ask is when you look back to here it is, 2008 through 2012. You've got to make this thing go. Mm-hmm. What were two or three things that you did that you said, this is how we turn this thing around. This is what we are going to do to make sure that the books are, are better and clients mm-hmm. are ha- pa- patrons are happier. Were there a couple of very intentional things that you did? I would say, and I think you'll agree with me, um, the number one thing we did was consistent hours. Absolutely. Yep. We went, because dad would, like I said, we'd go on vacation in the summertime and he'd just close. Well, being a destination point, you drive out one time from Omaha yeah. for 30 minutes and they're not open. Mm-hmm. I ain't going back there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. consistent it's, hours was huge. Yes. Um, and being, clo- oh, I'm sorry, babe. No, go ahead. Oh, I say, and being closed Sundays. Yeah. That was a big, mm-hmm. big thing as far as. And that was um, a selfish thing on our part because we wanted to be able to be there. It was twofold. But I mean, we wanted to be able to go to church and have right. a day where yeah. we know we don't have to work. And also for our, our RTB family, our, yes. our people. I didn't like, want you people. know. Fi- yeah, I didn't want people having to pick between family time, God, and work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there should be no choice there. It should just be. And I am a huge believer in a Sabbath. And it's like, you have to give yourself a day to rest and you have to give your building a day to rest. You have to, nothing works 24 seven all year long. Like you have to give rest to it. And so that was going off of these are the consistent days we're going to be open. And then we're going to be closed Sundays, which that conversation has come up many times since we've owned it of like people pushing like, well, Jacob, for instance, yeah. he was against it. He's like, "Why you're missing a Sunday. Yeah. People want to go out after church and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but our God's big enough to provide mm-hmm. and make this work six mm-hmm. days out of the week. And if we can't make it work, Tiff made this comment. Yeah. If you can't make it work six days out of the week, or yeah, you're not going to be able to make it work. I was like, mm-hmm. something else is wrong if you're going to. Because it was also most places aren't open. They're like whole hours on Sundays. It's a modified like five to ten or whatever. I was like, if I need five extra hours out of that week to make this business run. 
we've got bigger problems and leaks way back here. And we can't, I was like, I can't justify out being like, I needed that five hours of business. Yeah. And then I think that kind of made him like, Oh yeah. So I'd say the hours thing, um, back to what Jacob said in the beginning, every penny is accounted for. There was no, for the first three years, I'd say Mm -hmm. there was no extra beer getting taken out. There was no liquor bottle getting taken out. There was no steaks going home with Tiff and I, everything was accounted for. We knew where it all was. And that was just to kind of set that foundation of how we were going to run it. Hey, we're going to take a quick break in the show so that you know about Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland, the sponsor of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. You know, few banks can say they've been around for 139 years, but Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland has. Why? Because they are locally owned, locally managed, and they are focused on you. They offer full service business banking And you're always going to talk to a live person when you give them a call. They're commercial lenders. They are more than happy to share their expertise and to help you navigate any business financing that you may need, including SBA, TIF, or NEDCO financing. Check them out at fmnb.com or give them a call at 402-944-3316. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. And talk about the importance for a business owner, especially in a business like restaurant, yeah. bars. Um, but for any business, the importance of, of really having, if you can't do it from an accounting standpoint, mm-hmm. making sure you have someone who can rack those numbers and make it yep. really understood yep. to you as well. Yep. How important is that for a business owner? One of the most important things. Yeah. That, that would probably be the third thing. That you know, Three things, you know, consistent hours, accountability on everything in and out. And then surrounding ourselves with people that are smarter than us and better than us at what mm-hmm. we do. Bring them around and let make sure they know that. Like, you are a part of this team because you are better at this than me. Jacob is that one. Yep. Um, he knows. Like, I'm not a numbers guy. I That's one of my, my faults. Like, I don't understand them, but I don't care to understand them because I trust Jacob with them. We've built that trust over time, and we found that yep. relationship um, that I can trust him in that mm-hmm. Um the people like Jacob will tell you, oh, you know, TJ told me forever. Nobody can cook steak better than him. He'll never find somebody to run the grill. <laughs> Come to find out, there's a lot of people that can run that grill better than me. And I've got two or three of them right now, and I've had a dozen others. Like, there's people better at my job than I am, and I'm okay to let them do it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that humble yourself. Right. Let mm-hmm. somebody else make you better. And that's what we've done. We've just surrounded ourselves with people that are better at it than we are. Yeah, and that's one of the the principles that you shared with me beforehand is uh, something else. Jacob Jacob is getting a lot of love here on this yeah, podcast. He deservedly <laughs> he so. He deserves it, yep. But one of the things you said is, hey, uh, he taught you that surround yourself with people smarter than you guys, mm-hmm. that are better than what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really planted that. And so often business owners have a hard time giving up what they, you know, they're great on the grill. They're great at, at, at uh, maybe being out front. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And they work in that business all the time and they mm-hmm. never get a chance to work on it. Right. The importance of how this really helped you grow the business. Mm-hmm. Who Can I give that to, to you, Tiff? Like how, yeah. how important was that in helping you grow? Well, I say we, um, Fortunately, unfortunately, didn't get to implement that part right away. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up having our daughter 13 works, weeks premature right after we had bought the restaurant. <clears throat> so that actually got kind of flipped up on his head. And TJ ended up being the one working in the business like 18, 19 hours a day. And me and Izzy were in isolation for two years. Mm. 
So once we were able to, I guess, get our bearings with that part of, or that like season of our life. And, um, we started having the conversation of like, what does wealth look like for us? And that was to bring a general manager in and to bring in a head cook and all of that. Then we were able to turn it from working in it to on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's when things really flourished. They really did. And there again, Jacob said that he's like, define, he he asked, he'd read this somewhere and he's like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing it in my own business. I want you guys to do it too. Define wealth. What is wealth to you? And Tiff and I sat and talked and we're like, you know, some money in the bank is great. I always had a dream of having that kid knock on my door and like, hey, I'm going to go on a missions trip to blah, blah, blah. And it's going to cost me $5,000 and I'm raising money. Would you donate anything? And I wanted to be the one to be like, how much was it to go? It's $5,000 to go and be able to scratch a check and hand it to him and be like, go glorify God. Here you Mm -hmm. go. Like I wanted that. And we have been able to do that tenfold since Mm -hmm. the start of Round the Bend. Uh, But he he said define wealth and it was time mm-hmm. wealth is time and it's time together and it's time with our daughter and it's time to enjoy being a family mm-hmm. so how do you get that time well you lose some of the dollars in your bank account to pay for somebody to come and help you run your business right find yeah. somebody smarter and and i think the other thing for some folks yes you may you may lose some dollars but you may have found too that you know, with a great staff around you, that the dollars just kind of keep growing, don't they? A little it bit. Did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did. Yeah, it was yep. weird. Yeah, yep. how <laughs> they were better and more dollars came in, and yep. yeah, it, it was it was great. You know, you might have lost, you know, get a couple of great people, and you might not have some money for a while, but then all of a sudden, like you just said, wow, things are going really good. Yeah, and I got to go to my daughter's recital, or I got to take my wife out on a date, or we got to go on vacation and. Man, my phone didn't ring the entire time we were gone. Mm-hmm. That's wealth. Yeah, yep. you, that you bet. is it right there. <laughs> that steps to freedom. You know, you guys have have shown a lot of courage just to be able to buy the business. What you had to do to get in, mm-hmm. but you also showed, I thought, a tremendous amount of courage too during the COVID. I mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching what you were doing on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, there's two words I would describe the humor that you threw out in a dark time, right? Right, Some of your stuff was just so funny. And also again, saying, look, we got to find a way through this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you shared with me is that you learned something very quick during COVID. And that was the ability to pivot. Explain that a little bit. Uh, that, that was like the first week. Um, Mm -hmm. so we, we called Jacob. Jacob, what the hell is going on? Yeah. What what are we doing? Like they're telling we got to close. How are we going to pay our staff? And he called us in and we sat down and he was obviously he's got other businesses and he was having meetings with them and he's incredibly bright and he's like, "Okay, this is what I see, guys. This is how this is going to play out financially. This is what the government says they're going to do, but if they don't, and here's where the reality really set in for us, you've got 28 days until you're bankrupt." We worked really hard. We've talked about it really hard to get where we are. But I owed dad money. I had to pay him. I have to pay my employees. I have to pay my lease. Uh, I got loans out for stuff. Uh, I got to pay for my house. I've got like, we had just built built our new house. It was like 2018 we moved mm -hmm. in. Yeah. I've got a brand new house to pay for. We've got some rental properties that we had purchased because things were going good because I had people smarter than me who weren't running my business. And all of a sudden, Jacob says, 28 days until you are done. 28 days until I have to pick my phone up and call my dad and say, it's over. It's Doug. Mm -hmm. Like, 
too many years we had invested to let that happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're not doing it. That's not going to happen. So we went back to our business and said, hey, guys, <laughs> it's going to be rough. It's going to be really, really rough. And we were transparent with them and said, hey, um, what ideas do you got? Because we're 28 days from being done. And every single one of our employees was like, not on our watch. So we all got together and we sat sat in the office and just brainstormed and like, what can we do, this and that and the other. And Curtis, I think it was, um, our executive chef at the time, Curtis Norton, and he's like, you know, everybody's doing these press conferences. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just do a press conference and just <laughs> let people know? And it spitballed a little bit, and I was like, yeah, I'll go home and get my jacket and my sport coat, and I'll be the president and CEO. And that turned into Curtis being my secretary of steak, and <laughs> Tiff was the first lady, and we did press conferences every day because you remember every day things changed. Yes. Hey, you can have people in your restaurant. Hey, you can't have people in your restaurant. Hey, you can have 25%. Nope. Just kidding. You can't have anybody. Yeah. And I, I will I will give a shout out to um, the governor, Ricketts, at the time. His chamber, his office, his people did a phenomenal job to the point where I called in or no, I wrote a letter to our local senator mm-hmm. and said, this rule's stupid. This rule's stupid. <laughs> You guys are morons. You're going to run us all out of business. Change it or we're going to revolt. Like, this is not going to be okay. Um, like so many of us did. So many of us were putting our foot down. Like, you're, you're overstepping. And mm-hmm. I got a call the next day, and I had a 20-minute conversation with his chief of staff. The governor's chief of staff called me directly mm. and said, hey, I got this letter, and I understand what you're saying, but you've got to understand where we're coming from. Took the time to lay it out. And at the end of it, I just said, okay, you've got a job to do and I've got a job to do. We'll find some common ground. We'll agree to disagree on a lot of this. But, uh, okay, you heard me. He took the time to listen. So I get, you know, that's that's a rabbit trail there. Mm-hmm. But great but, job for for Ricketts, whether you agree with him or not. Great handling of that for our business anyway, for, yeah. for Round the Bend. Um, but back to what we did inside the walls. All hands on deck. Everybody, just... Pivot. You asked, what does pivot mean? Spaghetti on the wall. Hey, we're going to try this. Yep. Boom. It worked great. Awesome. You throw spaghetti on the wall, something will stick, right? That's another one of Jacob's. There's Jacob again. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think that we also wanted to walk the line of we're listening to what's being said, what's going on, but we don't want to be puppets. We want to have our own. We want to be able to think for ourselves and for our people and for this place. Because this is mine. This is ours. Yeah, we like built we're this. on the line right, for it. Sure, we absolutely. have the risk. You don't get to tell me what I'm yeah, go- how I'm, I'm like, going to make money. That's, no. Okay, so in the pivoting, I will say one funny thing was at the end of 2019, Jacob in one of our meetings said, hey, what do you guys think about online ordering? Nope. Shut it down quick. Nope. Like, like, no, we not a chance. We're not respect doing the people that drive all the way out here. They're sitting in our dining room. They're sitting in our bar. They're standing outside waiting. Like, they're our focus. I'm not, like, in to-go's were our weak link anyways. Yeah. We're like, no, we're not doing online order Because our kitchen was not built to sustain the business that we had built. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which mm-hmm. we have now done a complete kitchen upgrade and remodel, <laughs> yep. which that might be a whole Big, other thing yeah. to talk about. But. So then COVID hits, and it was like, Okay, Jacob, like, yep, let's do online ordering. <laughs> that's our only choice. Like, we did phones like, right away. I had two phone lines. I'm like, call these two phone lines, and you can come in and get a, get food. 
It wasn't enough, and it was shown in the first no time yeah. at all. Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't know how many times we came out there sat. I, I knew you guys were going to be fine when I would come sit in that parking lot, and the parking lot would be full. No one could go in. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> they're all waiting for the online orders. This is mm-hmm. in the very early days, right? Yeah, we mm-hmm. did those, uh, uh, the meat bundles, the yeah, mega meat bundles. Right. Mega and again, bundles the, yep, as well. That's Jacob, right. again, Jacob Malosha, <laughs> ARC Financial. ARC Financial in Ashland, there's Nebraska. shameless, non-shameless, I don't give a crap plug for Jacob, <laughs> but um, he's like, I, he worked in grocery stores, and he had a guy tell him one time, you call it a mega meat bundle, you load it with good quality beef, and you sell it for 99 bucks. That's the that's the shtick, right? So I'm like, whatever, let's try it. And we did 25 the first time, sold mm-hmm. out in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then we did the next one was 75, and they sold out like that, yeah. gone. Yeah. And to the point where our meat cutter was cut until like 10:30 at night. You may have been the ones waiting for it, sitting in the parking lot while we were mm-hmm. cutting the meat yeah. to make up for what we said we had, but we didn't have it cut yet because we thought we had plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll sell two or three an hour and they'll come get them. And nope, all 75, gone. And our best one was, everybody remembers the toilet toilet paper pandemic part of the, <laughs> or part of the pandemic. Couldn't find toilet paper. Well, we had had some stockpiled because of Cisco. We didn't have anybody in the business running or working. Uh, so we had dining, so we had all this toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, all right, we're gonna do a ninety-nine dollar mega meat bundle. We're gonna load it with twenty burgers, twenty steaks, and two rolls of toilet paper, and we got two hundred of them. And we did them ahead of time, cut, froze, packaged in the freezer, yeah. ready to go. Here we go, and we did all online that time, mm-hmm. and a specialty website for it. And we forgot to limit it down to how many we could sell because we thought we could control it again because yeah. I'm one of the dumb kids and I keep lo- forgetting the lessons I've learned. <laughs> And we sold all 200 in three minutes. Yeah. Gone. It, uh, yeah. it was like. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, that, by the way, your marketing is so, is so genius. <laughs> but, and I want to get to one other thing, because I just crack up every time I see your marketing. But, yeah, I mean, it also helped that beef was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. in this kind of weird state of flux as yeah, well. I do want to remind everyone yes. that support your local small producers, not Absolutely. restaurants necessarily. You know, Hazard Beef is one of our, our great friends. Phenomenal beef. Support small businesses because not that long ago, the Walmarts and the big companies, they didn't have it. Yeah. Like, we're so quick to forget. Mm-hmm. Keep supporting those smaller businesses because Rake's they beef. were there. Rake's Beef and Ashley. We, yeah. we actually, like, the weekend after COVID hit, we had a yeah, we were doing a like collaboration yeah. with them. So I just... <laughs> Don't forget about them. That was yeah. I, I had to throw that in there. I'm, no, I'm it's sorry. such a great. No, no, no. I'm glad you did. Um, one other marketing thing I've got to ask you about. One of my favorites of all time was the Jimmy Kimmel spinoff with the letters to yeah. Lincoln in Omaha. <laughs> you know, can oh. we please come yes. together? Yeah. And of yep. course, coming together, Lincoln and Omaha, right there in Ashland, yep. off yep. the interstate, the halfway point. What, what, what inspired that? That was one of my favorites. So that was when we were working with um, Red Thread out of Lincoln, a marketing company out of Lincoln. Uh, we had started to just dabble in some videos and they were running our Facebook page for us a little bit. And the, I said earlier, Tiffany is my, the woe to my go. I'm always go, 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 go. (laughs) That marketing team was great as to where we had to pull them back a lot. Like there was at one point, Adam wanted (laughs) me to be in the front yard, buck naked with a sensor bar over my goodies (laughs) 
doing something. I don't even know, I know. what. But it's he like, wanted, it doesn't matter what. They're just, like, gonna see. they're just going to see you naked in the front yard and want to come eat. I'm like, no, they're not. I was that's like, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's how you want your marketing company. You don't you want to have to be trying to pull that's right. things yeah, out of right. and be like, okay, let's. Um, so that was part of a campaign. Meet yes. halfway. We are 31.2 miles from the Woodman Tower, and we're 30.5 miles from the state capitol in Lincoln. So we're literally halfway. And we all know that there's this little bit of beef between Lincoln and Omaha. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Beef. There's this beef between Lincoln and Omaha. Um, it's called Round the Bend Steak. Exactly. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. We didn't even. There's a beef between Lincoln and Omaha, and it's Round the Bend. Write that down. <laughs> I don't have anything. I got to pick. We, we'll, we'll listen to the podcast. podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, and I didn't really know about it, but in business, is kind of the executive level. I guess there's this like, we're Omaha, we're better, we're Lincoln, we're better. Mm-hmm. There's this mm-hmm. fight and battle. And they were like, I think it'd be awesome if it was called the the Brotherhood Together. Let's meet, M-E-A-T, meet in the middle. Let's meet it round the bend. <laughs> and it started and it caught fire. And people loved it. Um, like, you, obviously, that's... That's 10 years ago, yeah. probably. Yeah, I, I remember that. that I still, and I, yeah. I tell you what, I just went and found it not too long. I think it's still out on YouTube. Yeah. And it's I get he a had kick hair. out of it. Yeah. I did have I had hair and, <laughs> and not, not no beard. beard. <laughs> Well, the I marketing love you so is awesome. Much. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, every business owner has that hiccup too, right? Where they learn so much. And, you, you know, you shared with me, and, and you guys have been great with your vulnerability and honesty today. But one other thing you shared was hey, Bella Meat Market was not necessarily a great success. Something you tried, yeah. a little yep. endeavor mm-hmm. that failed. And first off, just kind of tell us what Bella Meat Market was. But then the biggest thing is what you learned from it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Bellamy Market was uh, honestly a brainchild of Tiffany's. She wanted to be able to give high quality proteins to families at home, mm-hmm. get it get it to their table. Still, still kind of reeling from the COVID, and the grocery stores didn't have our back, and she wanted to be able to have have people's back. Mm-hmm. So she kind of came up with this this softer side, this female side of meat. Like, you know, so many places can focus on the carnivore and the the heart of man, and come in and look at the you know Liver King. Mm-hmm. You've seen him, mm-hmm. big muscle bound, mm-hmm. bearded. Yeah. We're meat eaters, and, and Tiff's more like. Well, but there's the a lot wives of are the ones that make dinner. Yeah, right? I was and like, purchasing there's a lot options of and female hearts in the kitchen. So it was Bella like, Meat Market, and it was Tiffany blue and black, and it was mm-hmm. soft. And Tiffany was kind of the face of it. And we did some cooking at home with our products, and it was round the bins meat, and we cut it and packaged it for Bella Meat Market, and would sell it from there. Mm-hmm. And we went pretty big, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Put a little corner in the in in round the bend. Um, we got some national traction with it like recognition yeah. I, we were in a magazine with her name is girl girl robin um she's out of florida she was just launching like a female magazine and she was pushing towards females grilling and i was like oh my gosh this is like going to this little marriage and that worked well and then all of a sudden it was trying to figure out how to ship nationally yeah like, and yeah, it's it really expensive some, yeah and time and then Neither one of us. So Tiff and I are college dropouts. Mm-hmm. I went for a semester. You went. You I, got your nursing. Uh, my CNA. CNA and like a, never really pursued it yeah. after that. Your career was the best investment you ever made. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. um, but we didn't really have the, the the ability to keep it going because I had to focus on round the bend so much and keep it mo- moving mm-hmm. and growing. And Tiff needed me. And that needed me full time in Bella to grow it and get it to the point where it could be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And we just sat down at home one night and we're like, you know what? Izzy's nine years old. She's going to be out of the house in 10 years. We can do all these extra ventures. Tiff is saying that she's like, mm-hmm. we can do all these extra ventures after she's gone. I want to be a mom. We've worked really hard for her to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the biggest lesson we learned is you don't have to grow and be huge and keep keep growing and growing. Like find your lane, find your comfortable mm-hmm. area, and it's okay to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you can't afford the biggest house or the nicest car. Wealth, again, go back to what we defined as wealth. It's time together. And we started to see some things slip in our daughter. And mm-hmm. we don't need the money. We don't need that recognition. I really want my daughter, like, again, those things you dream about. I hope at my daughter's wedding someday she stands there and says, Dad and Mom, all the sacrifices you made for me, I remember those things. And mm-hmm. you have, like, we want to be that. Not, mm-hmm. oh, I remember Mom and Dad worked really hard and had a lot of businesses, but we never really knew each other. Yeah. I think that's my biggest lesson from Bella. And I learned it through you, Tiff, that yeah. you kind of laid that out. Like, it hit her like a Mack truck. We've yeah. only got 10 summers left with Izzy. Yeah. And do I we kind really want to do that? Had that pull in me of like if this is an eternal calling like if this is an etern- a calling from god like there's not expiration dates on that and i do have an expiration date at some point when my daughter's childhood is over and it was just kind of like okay but i did have a little pull on the side of i wanted to be a strong female influence for her and to have her because it was all under like all under me, under my LLC, like all of that. And so it, at, I don't know, probably a day I felt, it was like, this is such a failure. Like she's going to see how I failed in this area. And then there was kind of a circling back around of like, but she's going to see the both of us with this steakhouse and with our reality and all of that. And like, is she really going to be like, oh, because that meat market didn't work out, mom? That like, one little piece of I can't look at you. I can't look up to you and trust that, like, yeah. And I remember you, you did the best for us. I don't know. It was. You had mm-hmm. one of the funny things that out of that, she had a, a Yukon, a GMC Yukon XL, and we had had it wrapped with Bella Meat Market and it was all flashed out. It looked gorgeous. Uh, uh, yeah. It was God, awesome. they did a great job on that. And I told her, I was like, okay, we've closed it down and stuff. I'll get to that this weekend and get it peeled off and stuff so we don't have it. And I came home, and it was off. <laughs> and I went inside, and she had a glass of wine, and she's like, that was so therapeutic. <laughs> I'm just done now. It's gone. And I yeah. was like, whoo. Need another glass of wine, honey? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> you good? So yeah. that, was, that was funny out of that. But, yeah, answer yeah. to your question, biggest lesson for me through that was there's an expiration on mm-hmm. our kid's childhood, and there's a lot of value in that. Way more value than starting another business or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, well, and it's not uncommon. I mean, I've seen great, successful, and round the bend. Oh my gosh! The number one thing I can tell you why I know how successful your business is, and I was sharing this with you guys beforehand. When I go in there and have dinner, there's going to be a little wait, and I always say you don't ever want to go to a restaurant where you can always immediately get in, right? <laughs> right. Plus, I love the atmosphere in the lounge. Yeah. So, so it's yep. it's that's a bonus for me, <laughs> but. Love it. And there's no doubt that I've seen so many businesses, business owners who have been amazingly successful and they just try a little venture and and maybe stub their toe. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so it's so common, but I think it's something that everyone can learn from as well. Guys, we've talked for an hour, more than an hour, hour and three, hour and four. (laughs) (laughs) And I could go on and on. I've got another page of questions, but this has been amazing. And um, I think the, the, the thing for me today that I take away from this is how your values, right? Your faith and mm-hmm. your values really drive so much of what you stand for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I love your place and you know it. And Absolutely. I had a ball today just getting to know you guys better and, and the thing and the story behind it all. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah. For Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Thank you, thank you yeah. for coming up and, uh, 
you know, love to come back up again and continue the conversation of, you know, walk through COVID some more. We've got the testicle festival we can talk yes, about. Yes, yes. Yep. And, and a brand new, talk to real quick about that brand new kitchen. You guys have expanded. The kitchen's yeah. beautiful. You've got a big ballroom in the back. I mean, there's a lot of new things going on there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the, 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 the kitchen came, you know, through COVID. We were so blessed. We actually grew through COVID. The RTB Nation, as I call them, our, our people. You're part of RTB Nation, Tim. Like, you are our people that keep us going. Um, we knew that we had a problem, and it was our kitchen. You'd come in for dinner on Friday or Saturday night, and you'd wait an hour for your food after you ordered it. We just couldn't put it out. So we reinvested. We re-upped in the kitchen. We doubled the size of our kitchen. We have brand-new state-of-the-art dual kitchen, 100% mirror-imaged. Um, we can put food out. If I've got the A-team, which employment is a little hard to keep everybody retained, but um, if we can have our A-team, I can put food out on a Friday or Saturday night at the busiest point. We can roll tickets in 15 to 20 minutes. No problem. Like, easily, with our eyes closed. It's just so easy and simple, and we're not at each other's throats to do it. Uh, We added 2,500 square feet of storage and prep area, which we've actually already grown out of, because (laughs) our ballroom, the event space you talk about, uh, my nephew, Kale, uh, he's our event coordinator, He's growing that thing uh, through Bella Meat Market. Another thing we had was Chad, uh, our banquet chef and head meat cutter now. He has re- stayed with us through Bella. He has been a great addition to our company. Uh, we have got the staff that we do have are phenomenal. They are incredible. They are our family. We will do anything we can to better their life. We hope they're with us a long time, but sometimes it's a very brief time. We just hope we can impact them, not influence them in a good right. way. Mm-hmm. And we're just growing. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. It's been hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, events that happened right after we opened our new kitchen, lost some key players, had to let some key players go. And it was, what's God doing here? Mm-hmm. And we're still in that season. It's mm-hmm. been a year and a half and we're still in the God, what are you doing? Yep. We've <laughs> lost two other people here this the last couple of days. Had to let one go and another one chose to walk Pardon. out and um, made him made himself a customer instead of a he what did they call that upgraded himself to a customer <laughs> but anyway it just what are you doing god what are we doing how are we doing this and we're we're just in it like it's going to be fun to sit back in five years and sit with you and have another discussion and go hey remember when we were talking about how short-staffed we were now i've got this crew and this has been awesome and we had to put another edition on and the dining room has grown and i put a cigar you know my dreams i want to put a cigar area in where you can come and have a glass of whiskey after dinner and a cigar and see some of those gorgeous sunsets because there's not a better sunset than there is around the Ben Steakhouse. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I was going to say for those who haven't been there up on the hill, see forever. Yep. Uh, and I mean, it is beautiful country out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. So beautiful you, wildlife, yeah. the rolling hills of the Platte River Valley. You can yeah. see the bends, the the beautiful fields. You know, just it's just not that far from Lincoln or Omaha. You yeah. can jump on the interstate, you can be there in twenty twenty five minutes, and it's just a it's just a slowdown. Yeah, it's just a slowdown. Have that quality time gathered around our table. That's yeah. what we shoot yep. for. That's what I love about it. And by the way, don't forget about those golfers with the cigar bar over at your place oh. when you get that in there. Absolutely. You got a couple yes. of golf courses. We'll get yep. some of them in there. But yep. you guys have done an amazing job. And we got to have part two. It'll yeah. be quicker than five years. Right. We got to have part two sometime. <laughs> After come back. Yep. All right. Awesome. Thanks All right. a lot. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate right. it. Thank you, Tim. A Huda Media Production.